Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast for July 27th, brought to you by DraftBeast.com. And on it, I am joined by the one, the only, Showdown Joe. Joe, we missed you on Saturday. I miss you guys, man. It was a hectic week for me, and that weekend was uh, kind of interesting. But, man, that I, when I came back home, and for those that don't know, uh, Sean obviously knows, I, I was away with the family, uh, but, you know, been involved in mixed martial arts in the UFC for so long, my heart was actually at home uh, wondering what is happening uh, in that octagon, especially in that women's main event. Um, and we all know that, uh, Sean, a fair amount of people watch that event. Yeah, one of the most watched, I think it's the most watched summer UFC show on Fox ever, which I didn't expect, Joe. This was, to to people like you and I, at least as, as it pertained to star power, not the strongest of shows. Um, but apparently people were interested. They didn't have anything else going on. They wanted to watch Holly Holm. Something happened because, and I'll say this, even for our own show, I was blown away with the numbers that it did. I was shocked when I saw that, and it it reached like the levels of what our WWE draft show did, and that was one of the most anticipated shows that we've had on the that we've had for the podcast so far. Were you surprised by these numbers? I know I was. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I mean, take nothing away from from all the fighters that were on the card, but. Is it lightning in a bottle, perhaps? I mean, is, is Holly Holm now really a legit, you know, mainstream name? I mean, yeah, she defeated Ronda Rousey. She, she did get some notoriety in terms of popularity and whatnot, and people know, quote-unquote, who Holly Holm is. You know, she's the girl that knocked out Ronda Rousey. But to see these numbers, uh, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised, and congrats to the UFC and, and, and the folks over at Fox and, you know, the, all the promotion that went around the event. But I wasn't expecting that kind of number, especially, you know, with an opponent like Shevchenko that not many people really know of other than, you know, hardcore fans and those that have been following the sport. But, yeah, seeing that number, I was like, whoa, good stuff. Congratulations there. I mean, you and I were talking off air and kind of made the point that this is something that you would expect uh, during football season. Yeah, and this is the best, like, I think – it's the second best non-football season number they've ever done behind Gilbert Melendez versus Ben Henderson, which was a title fight. And by then, Ben Henderson had kind of already been established as a player in the UFC. I was very shocked by these numbers. I'll tell you something I wasn't shocked by, Joe. Edson Barboza chopping Gilbert Melendez down those post-USADA legs. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised, man. I'm not gonna lie to you, Sean. I am very surprised. I mean, I, I know we talked about, you know, Gilbert Melendez and my breakdown, the fact that, you know, Gilbert is, is, you know, he's been around the block and when you've been fighting for that long, you know, there's, there's a lot of mileage on the body. I figured that at, at one point he would have enough of those kicks and say, that's it. We're, we're going to close the distance here. I may have to eat another one or a few shots or combinations, but if you put the pressure on Edson Barboza, you know, he might break, he might make a mistake. He might, you know, get tripped up against the cage and, and whatever. So I was, I was sort of surprised that Gilbert Melendez didn't do more. Um, but once you get hit with those leg kicks, I mean, 
Uh, I, I there wasn't a, I, I didn't really see the amount or how many were landed, but I think at, at at about number eleven, it was just like that's it. Now let's let's do the math for a second, Sean. Eleven baseball bats to your lake, not yeah, just no sitting snakes, there man. taking them, but moving forward, moving back, moving to your left, moving to your right, and then whammo, you get hit with a baseball bat. Because let's face it, this is a guy whose shins are conditioned hard as rock and can absolutely do tons of damage as we can see in so many of his fights. But a guy like Gilbert Melendez, you know, who's, who's been around the block, who's that experience, I figured would have some way said, okay, that's it. That's enough. We're going to take this because I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, other than Tiago Alves, Gilbert Melendez has my favorite type of striking style. It's just pure gangster. It's, 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 you know, it's that California style. It's just like, whatever we're going to tangle. And you said it the best during the last podcast that we spoke about that he'll fight to whoever's level. If you want to stand and bang, he's going to stand and bang, but not a good idea with Edson Barbosa. Yeah. Edson Barbosa with a, another huge win. Now, granted, we have seen that Anthony Pettis and Gilbert Melendez, they kind of on, on the downslide, but still huge wins for Edson Barbosa, who, you know, after that Terry Edom knockout, I was expecting everything just, the world and he was never able to piece together you know a, a giant winning streak after that he, he had like three in 2013 I believe also kind of impressive he's one of the very few fighters at the lightweight division to have a win every year since 2010 but that doesn't always tell you where you are in the division because Joe Lozon has a win every year since I think 06 but he also can't put several wins together um Felice Herrig Impressive win, but the level of competition that she faced, Kaylin Curran, no disrespect to her, but she's four and three now. Ready to see Herrig back in there after taking so long off, and you got to think she's going to get a step up in competition, right? I'm going to say yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also going to be I'm going to pull out the Canadian card if you don't mind being you know I'm, we're we're always accused of being too polite and too apologetic. I just want to say I'm sorry. To Felix Herrig, or you know, Felix Herrig, I, I completely misjudged what she was going to bring to the cage on Saturday. I, I thought for sure that time off was going to cause a problem, and despite putting in a training camp, you know, that you just you just can't do it nine times out of ten in mixed martial arts. Well, you know, not even two minutes. It was a minute fifty nine, and she pulls off that rear naked choke. And and, and let's be honest, the way she transitioned uh, to get the back that was sick out of the that half guard. That, that was that was magnificent. That was beautiful. Yeah, that's the stuff that, you know, you watch on and, and you're like, hmm, when I go back to class on Monday, I'm going to show this video to my instructor and like, we need to drill this and we need to drill this over and over and over again. I want to see what my, you know, my partner does or when I'm sparring with someone, what they do for me to able to do that, especially, you know, the old Hicks and Gracie sort of analogy, you know, flow like water sort of thing or that's Bruce Lee. But uh, what was, what was Hickson's? I almost forgot it now, but it had to do with something in essence, don't, it's don't like, fight all ever. <laughs> but in essence, with jujitsu, you, you got to sort of feel your opponent and what they're doing, where their momentum's going. Uh, I had one instructor that always talked. He always tried to teach us about what's called circular jujitsu. If they come at you this way, you go at them this way, and it's like no, 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 no. Eventually, I learned that you know you, you got to sort of set things up. John Danaher uh, over at the Hanzo Graces used to always talk to us about you know understanding you know two or three moves ahead, but understanding if you put pressure here, he's got two options that he's going to do or she's going to do, and then you take it from there. And and the way Felice basically transitioned, like you said, from half guard right to the back was absolutely perfect. Mark Hominick used to have an awesome sort of sweep um, that he would use on people that as soon as they would do it, he would end up in a dominant position right away. That's the kind of stuff as as you know, ground grappling fans that you just go back to your class and you're like, I want to learn this. I want to drill this. I want this to become, you know, muscle memory and second nature. And the way she did that and then was able to lock in that rear naked choke, I'm, I'm, I am absolutely impressed. And I apologize uh, to Felice for, for not really understanding, hey, man, her game is still tight right now. In that same light, I have to apologize to Eddie Wineland. I thought he was done, as I mentioned. I thought he had one foot out the door. Admittedly, I think he did have one foot out the door as recently as a couple of years ago. Uh, he stepped in, defeated Frankie Signs. I, I guess you could say that he saw all the signs, right? Absolutely correct. Every podcast. you got to have one every podcast, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, but listen, Eddie, Eddie did good, man. Let's just be honest. I mean, it, it was, is you know... The way he throws those punches, the way he bases, and the way he, he launch hacks, you know, you figure after a round, a round and a half, 
you know, and he's getting up there in age at 135. How much more power is he going to have left? Well, he, he did it in the third round, Sean. That, that's pretty impressive if you ask me. I mean, what's it really mean uh, defeating a guy like Frankie in, the, in this division right now? It doesn't mean old, like too much, but, you know, it's, it still keeps him there, and he's got another paycheck coming for sure. Eddie Wineland moved up to number 12 in those UFC rankings. Gilbert Melendez popped back in them, but at 14, uh, do you think that's that's a right place to have Gilbert Melendez? He hasn't won in three years. The only person he's beaten in the UFC is Diego Sanchez. He's one in three now. I, I, I'm I, – to, to hear that I know, type I know, of those ranking, still. No, no, it's not, just the, it's not just the rankings. It's the fact that Gilbert Melendez, one in three in the UFC, and the only guy he's defeated was Diego Sanchez in what was really a contract fight because that was the last fight on his contract. He was on his way to Bellator, uh, almost signed, sealed, and delivered. Exceptional negotiations on his management part. Uh, to eventually not have him go to Bellator, basically use the Bellator card to eventually get Gil onto the ultimate fighter, uh, a title shot, um, you know, and then he loses that title shot. But th- the fact of the matter is he's one in three in the UFC. I would have never in my wildest imagination, my wildest dreams would have ever thought that Gilbert would have been there. I mean, at number 14, oh, man, uh, I, I it, it's tough to say. I mean, did, did, do you think he should be higher than Ally Quinta and, and Benil Darius? I mean, and Will Brooks? I don't. He's been around, but he's one in three. It's it's just it's it's tough to say, but it's almost. I mean, what do you do with Gilbert Melendez right now, right? In my opinion, the ranking should be more of the "What have you done for me lately?" thing, and you know, lend some credence to their past accomplishments. But you know, uh, we're about to talk about Francis Ngannou. He did not crack the heavyweight top fifteen. He's three and zero in the company. He may very well soon, though, because Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir are in those rankings, and they will probably be dropped on te- you know suspensions, technicalities. He, like I said last week, humans are not supposed to look like this guy does. As one of our, as one of our uh, writers tweeted, he thinks that a USADA agent just like slips a note underneath a door to Francis and says, "Now nah, you're good. Just please leave me alone. You're good." We're straight here. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 it's funny <laughs> as it sounds. I mean, tell me this. When he was fighting uh, Mihalovich, what was going through your mind when, when Francis was basically stalking him? It was, it was a stalking. It was a stalking. It really was. Um, <laughs> that poor man is what I thought. I, I was watching, and I'm like, I've seen this before. I've seen this in other weight classes, but when it's a heavyweight doing it and he's just stalking and it's stalk, he's just bringing him closer and closer to the cage. He's just waiting. He's waiting to explode. And then bang, he does what he has to do. And then when that thing hit the ground, I was like, this is not pretty. I mean, 94 seconds of hell. Here we go. Yeah. As soon as he got in there, Milhovic looked like he wanted out, but you know, he's a pro fighter. He's not going to just tap out to being stalked. Although, I will say, there's a, you know, everybody's seen the gym pretenders, right? The guys that come in and they're trying to impress people. We had this guy in our gym. Well, not in our gym, who would run around town saying, yada, 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 I train with them. I have a video of me tapping him out to a full guard. That's full scary guard. position, man. That's a scary oh, position. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I closed <laughs> it. I tightened it. He tapped. It got better. Because, you know, none of us like this guy. I was like, well, it doesn't get any more embarrassing than that. He took an MMA fight. He did not train with us, anything of that nature. He trained with a dim mock guy, which should tell you, you know, I got to say this. He trained dim mock. So the person that he fought three years ago may die any day now, just based on the touch. But he got in the cage. (laughs) He tried to apply a front choke. And instead of arching his back, it was – a standing, he tried to apply a standing guillotine. He tried to slide down to the ground, and the guy popped his head out. And as soon as the guy popped his head out, the gym pretender waved off the fight, and he's like, I'm done. He tapped out to nothing. The one thing worse than tapping out to a closed guard, he tapped out to absolutely nothing. That's what it looked like Milahovic wanted to do. And as soon as he got touched, he was like, man, it's it. that's it. And... He protested the stoppage. This guy had the balls to protest the stoppage. I'm like, you, you realize you wouldn't be up to protest the stoppage had the fight not been stopped. 
what, what did you think of that? Do you think it was a little weird? Oh yeah. I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I was watching the screen and I'm like, did I just miss something? Because the fight that I just saw ended the way it should have ended and, and good on the ref for being like, okay, you know what? You're done, dude. And then, and then he's protesting and I was scratching my head going, I think I should replay. Cause did I, those punches were landing, right? Like, did I miss something or like, what's, what's yeah. going on here? And I thought to myself, yeah, you know what? That's just, you know, now you're just, your, your ego's gotten the best of you and you're just kind of like, you know what? I shouldn't have stopped. And you know what? Yeah, you can make the argument. You could have went on. You, you couldn't have went on. I'm sorry with all, with all due respect. Uh, you know, you're, you're heavyweight and all, but you just fought a monster. And that dude is a mean dude. 3-0 in the UFC. Uh, and he should be in the top, at the minimum, the top 15 in the organization. Yeah. But all right, we'll wait for the fourth fight and we'll see what happens. We'll see what they put up against. But you and I were talking last week. If he does emerge victorious, especially in the first round, does he get a gatekeeper? I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And whether it's a gatekeeper or someone in that top 15, he deserves them. Yeah, I, I would not be against him fighting like a Maga Madoff or a Stefan Struve or somebody of that nature. Uh, I would not put him up against like a Roy Nelson, somebody who has been losing a lot lately. Like uh, I think Roy Nelson has won like one of his last five fights. I wouldn't risk his loss coming at the hands of somebody like that. I'd rather it be a young guy like like Struve or somebody on a winning streak like Maga Madoff. That way they can get some benefit from it. Um, now, you wrote about it in, in your exclusive feature for Fightful.com. By the way, guys, visit Fightful.com, share the page, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Go, go to your family gathering this weekend. Stand up on a picnic table and say, guys, listen, I brought my tablet. Shut up and stop eating sandwiches. Let's go to Fightful.com. That's where we need to be. Wrestling, MMA, boxing, all of it. If you have dead friends, dig them up. I don't care. It's, it's illegal. Technically, is it illegal in Canada, Joe? I Jeff. swear, I'm not. What are you doing? That's awesome. Is it, is it illegal? Talk about an endorsement. Dig up hey. your friends. What is? Hey, this you know classic? what? They have dead people vote sometimes. Why can't we have dead people come to Fightful.com? It's not well, click fraud. Crazy things that have happened. I mean, uh, as a, as you know, I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm in the mortgage industry as well, and based on what happened in the states. Uh, the movie The Big Short there, there were some people that weren't even alive. There were dogs that were getting mortgages at the time. So anything is possible. Tell your dog to tune into Fightful.com. Get on there. Teach your dog how to get online and, and, and you know, enjoy it. Yeah. Register your dead great-grandma for like with an ISP and just put an auto clicker on. I don't care. Just visit the site, share it, let people know. We got exclusives coming up all over the place. I have a feature uh, that's going to start tomorrow, give you all a little preview before it goes to the members only section, uh, Wikipedia true or false with TNA star EC3. Joe, as you know, Wikipedia, not the most reliable source in the world. And I interview MMA fighters, pro wrestlers. We run down their Wikipedia pages. And thus far, none of them have been completely factual. If you can believe that. Shocking. Shocking, right? Have you, ever, wrote, have you ever watched – have you ever been on the UFC um, event page during fight night when a fight oh comes to God, an end, especially yeah. a beatdown, and you see some of the stuff that people write yeah. on there? Oh, yeah. Um, I used to keep a – oh, the best was Dennis Hallman, the night of the Speedo. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It was, it was the greatest. But um, I used to keep a screenshot folder full of funny Wikipedia things. I, I should have kept it and done it as a feature for the site too. Like there was one time I saw where – uh, after a fight, somebody put in their bio that the fighter was a bad tipper at restaurants. And I was like, ah, clever, clever, crafty. There were a couple of boats. I remember sitting octagon side and just double checking uh, certain things, and Wikipedia come up, and I was just ma- want to make sure I had some stuff that was not making sense. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to use this. But then I kind of scrolled and I saw it in red font the way somebody had won a dominant fight. And to say it was a sexual innuendo was would be an understatement. But donkey yeah, punch? It, it was, way worse than that. Way worse oh, than that. Way worse. I, I remember a donkey punch uh, being on one. Uh, either way, exclusively for Fightful.com, you wrote about the disarray in the women's 135-pound division. Now, uh, let me pull up these rankings again, but it is a mess. It is a mess. And uh, I don't know if it's a good – I mean, if the ratings are any indication, it's a good thing. But you run through one through seven, or the top seven women, Nunez, Tate, Rousey, Shevchenko, Holm, 
Zingano among those. McMahon, uh, with the exception of Juliana Pena, it is a revolving door, a carousel. Each one of these women has something that the other woman does not have. And like I said, with the exception of Juliana Pena, will we have a dominant champion? I mean, you know, she's been beaten as well, but not since she came to the UFC. This is just unreal. And this is what I was saying in the article, that for the next, what, six months, maybe more, these boats are going to be fantastic because some way, somehow, you have to assume it's going to even itself out. Someone is going to emerge from this incredible pack of ladies. It should be dominant. Um, and, you know, congratulations to Ronda Rousey for, for, for moving up in the rankings one spot. Didn't even compete. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's another story altogether. I can write something about that, too. But you take a look at, at the ladies that are on here. I mean, do we really think Amanda's going to go on a run here? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, the talent in this division can see you – now, this, this makes MMA math absolutely just crazy. I mean, you see what's going on here. But, you know, Juliana Pena's got some serious – Serious opportunity here to really she, she could be next in line here. I mean, you know, I'd like to see Shevchenko get that rematch with Amanda based on the fact that she defeated Holly. Uh, maybe a number one contender bout versus Misha Tate. I mean, there's so many different matchups that you can make here that you take a look at the rest of 2016, maybe even early 2017, and this division is going to be on fire. Now, I don't know if I got a chance to speak to you about this. I can't remember if, it, if this happened Wednesday or Thursday, but I wrote a feature on it about Cyborg declaring that she wanted she said that she wanted her own weight class uh 145 pounds in in the ufc to which i said you already have your own weight class in the ufc it's 140 pounds and i ran up and down the list of 145 pounders included in that that top 10 was peggy morgan and again no disrespect to any of these people she's four and three and she's in the top 10 you have a woman at number 13 two and oh you have another woman in the top 10 who said, screw this, I'm going to 135 and fighting Jessamine Duke this Friday. Keep in mind, the, the big fight for Cyborg at 145 for a while was Ediana Gomez, India Gomez, and she dropped to 135 and got mollywopped twice, which I, I thought was well-deserved after her comment about UFC fighters being strippers and never really fought again. I... What she she and you her her reasoning was that a lot of these women fought at 145 before. Yeah, a lot of these women fought, fought at 145 when they probably should have been fighting at 125, and many of these women should be fighting at 125. What is your take on this? I mean, she's already cost herself millions of dollars, millions of dollars. She is a special talent and has a special opportunity that they have amended the rules for already. What do you make of her request here? A, she's not going to get it. Sorry, hate to break it to you. Um, because it, what is the point of building Cyborg against, you know, what is the point of building Cyborg as this absolute destroyer at 145 pounds or 140 pounds when the people will actually look at the talent level, the disparity between her and everybody else and be like, well, there's no real contenders, and it'll always be the same thing. She has to drop to 135. There has to be a catchweight fight. It's going to always be that argument. Now, physically, physically, if she can't make 135 pounds, just the, this conversation needs to end. I mean, I've her for, um, she's, she's, you know, she was probably uh, not on natural uh, enhancements, if you know what I'm saying. She was um, yeah. pretty big. She was big. Sure. Um, I've seen her in person. She's, she's you know, muscular to say the least. Um, I, maybe she cannot make 135 pounds. Legit. You know, we, we've seen her make 140. Uh, and you and I might, not you and I, but most people would be like, even. yeah, you know, what is an extra four pounds? Four pounds is a lot. It is. You know, it's, if the physical stature of a human being to get to a certain weight is, is you know, to a point of suffering, um, it, it's just not going to happen. I'd love to see her make 135 because at the very end of my article, if you haven't read it, I kind of hint to that. You know, you think this is a mess right now, add Cyborg into this 135-pound division, and you really see a mess as to what's going to happen. Now, if she can't make the weight, Sean, this is, this is a mute point. It's just there's no point in even discussing it. 
Um, but when you, like you said, 139, she's made 140. Can there be some way where she, she can figure out nutrition wise or something to say, you know what, how can I get to 135? Because the amount of money that she could have made up until this point, and, and this is something that we talk about, you know, I've been talking about for ages. I've had this conversation with every single athlete I've ever come across, especially on Canadian soil, especially guys like Rory McDonald and, and, and these young guys that were coming up on the day. Your career, if you look at the day you were born and the day that you die, let's say you hope to live you know, 90, 100 years old, your mixed martial arts career is this big. That's a window of an opportunity to make as much money as you can possibly make and get some notoriety and get some, you know, what's called the Conor McGregor factor, the Chael Sonnen factor, and get as much money as you can possibly get. Because before you know it, even George St. Pierre said, I'm done. That's it. I've maximized the amount of money. I'm not taking any more punishment. Cyborg one day, knock on wood, hopefully doesn't, but one day I might wake up and be like, hmm, I only did this when I was in my late 20s or my early 30s. I would have been a multimillionaire. Here's my problem with the situation. And I'm going to republish soon a, uh, a feature that I did somewhere where it was a timeline of the weight issues between Rousey and Cyborg. Ronda Rousey signed for this fight in 2013. Cyborg was supposed to be in Liz Carmouche's spot. She asked for her release, not over weight, but over money. Uh, this has been widely reported. So Ronda Rousey, and at that point, I worry about what could have happened. I mean, Cyborg could have just mopped the floor with her at that point. A year later, she committed to making that weight. She went on Inside MMA and said, I'm making the weight. I'm ready. She had every MMA nutritionist knocking at her door because every single one of those guys wanted to be the person that got – cyborg to 135 offering their services up as they should have been it never happened her fight at 140 never happened kind of went back on her word to invicta a couple of times finally she gets her 140 fight in the ufc jermaine durand to me jumps at the opportunity to fight cyborg somebody who i think would be a good fight for cyborg ufc's ready to make it cyborg's like nah not interested in that sorry she had the opportunity, and now you know she wants this. She wants her own division. She's got her own division, and she has people that are offering to fight her at 140. And she doesn't want anything to do with it. And I'm not sure why. It's not because of, it's not for lack of talent, Joe. I'm okay. It's been widely reported. Totally understand that. I get it. It's it's a situation that you know. Many people, when you, when you speak to them, it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. And I can go back to the, the one thing you were talking about, about Ronda Rousey and, and Cyborg competing, potentially competing way back when. Um, I, based on, on my intel, based on talking to people at the UFC back then, um, that is not a fight the UFC would have liked to have put on. Um, there's one money fight or there's multiple money fights. There's the ability to build a star, let that star's shine continue to go on, because eventually it will come to an end. Uh, the UFC probably didn't want, um, I'm not saying the UFC as in Dana White, or I'm just saying as an organization, as an entity, as a business, probably didn't want to see Ronda Rousey go down to Holly Holm like that. Um, they were probably thinking, let Ronda Rousey be this massive star that continues to get massive pay-per-view ratings for us, which means lots and lots and lots of money, especially with merchandising and, and fight past stuff and TV shows and appearances on late night television. Let her run this ride. And when the time has come, when she thinks she's going to be done, we'll put her up against Cyborg. Cyborg wins that fight, hypothetically speaking. She becomes a new champion. She goes on a dominant run. They make lots of money from her. The way it's sort of all boiled down, well, something the UFC may be thinking, hmm, saw this coming, didn't really want it to happen, but it is what it is right now because the fact that A, Ronda Rousey loses to Holly Holm, Holm loses to Misha Tate, Misha Tate loses to Amanda Nunes, this is not what they'd envisioned for this division. It had been much sweeter potentially for Rousey to continue on this run then potentially lose to Cyborg and let Cyborg go on a run. But, um, you know, Justino doesn't want to really make that 135 pounds. Apparently, maybe she can't. Uh, I will give her the benefit of the doubt. I have heard from other circles that she can make the weight. I've also heard from people close to her 
it's impossible. She can't. So even I'm getting mixed messages right now. Not that I'm this, you know, MMA insider analyst guru. I've gotten mixed information before from people that have trained with Cyborg, people around Cyborg. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. But I'll tell you this. Like I said before, Sean, time is running out. You don't get any younger in life. I'm cool with her fighting at 140. I, I think she is special enough to compete at that weight and the UFC to justify it. I think she attracts enough people for them to justify that. And if there are women that are willing to do that, even a person who, again, should be fighting at 125 and is barely 500 like Leslie Smith, let them do it. Let them do it. But 145, can't get this guy behind that. Now, (laughs) Shane Carwin says he's coming back. Former UFC interim heavyweight champion. Used to uh, blink at people and put them to sleep. I'll tell you the big fight I'm interested in here. Shane Carwin versus Yasada. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder who wins that one. Man. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what? I, if he can come back and he can pass those drug tests, cool, man. There are, you know, there are other 40-plus guys in, in the UFC heavy, heavyweight division. And given how crazy that division is, I don't doubt that he could beat one or two of them. But um, what did you make of him? I mean, he, he threw his, his hat in the ring as it pertained to Brock Lesnar. But what do you think? Is it going to happen? And if so, does it do anything for you? I think you froze up, Joe. We will get Joe back shortly, hopefully. To be honest with you, not really. It doesn't do much for me. Either. Okay, I think I have you, you back. Got, you got me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in terms of, of Shane Carwin, um, as I was mentioning, as much as I like the guy. Um, it was always available to us whenever we need to do interviews. I mean, the guy hasn't competed in such a long time. We're talking 2011. Uh, it's been five years, uh, more than five years, if you want to talk about it. It was June 11th, UFC 131. Um, and that was a beatdown to the hands of Junior Dos Santos. Um, you know, before that was the Brock Lesnar fight. Um, to come back after five years, um, it really does nothing for me. I know it's the heavyweight division. Anything can happen, uh, especially a guy – um, you know, the pack, the kind of power punching that he did, but it, like he's 41, right? I mean, yeah, if he was 35, you can kind of, you know, juggle with the fact that, ah, he's a little past his prime and you can probably do it. But man, at 41 years old to put in a training camp, uh, I know it's heavyweight and people say, oh, you don't have to train that hard when you're heavyweight. You just got to make sure you land your punches. Nah, you still got, it's, it's UFC, man. Um, it, 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 you're not really going to sell me on it. Would I tune in, Sean, and watch? Yeah, of course I sure. would, but. Really, they, they could put Chuck Liddell against an absolute donk amateur, and I would, I would tune in to watch, but not for the right reasons. I would, you know, it's curiosity almost. But heesh. Well, either way, we got UFC two hundred one coming up this this Saturday. Uh, we're gonna have tons of, of fight videos, pre-fight coverage. We're gonna have podcasts after the show, live coverage of the show. Hoping by then we have uh, the the uh, comment boards up on the page individually uh, for, I think it's called discuss or discus, whatever it is. It's what you guys asked for. So you're getting it. (laughs) My main question is Nikita Krylov going to pull off a miracle and somehow piece together five wins in a row. Not, it won't be a miracle if he beats Ed Herman. I think it's a miracle that, he would win five fights in a row. This is a guy who tapped out to a uh, Von Flu choke, mind you, in the UFC. A von Flu choke. Didn't didn't know, you know to what? not give up the guillotine when he was when somebody who was in side control. Yeah, I mean, if if I shouldn't be saying this about a UFC fighter, Sean, but <laughs> you shouldn't tap out to a Von Flu choke in the UFC. I'm just I'm just saying, like, let go. Let go. Let go of the guillotine. Let go of the guillotine. It sucks. Uh-huh. You're, you're trapped inside control. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let go. Let go, let go. But he's pulled out four, uh, four victories since then. Um, finishes. None of them have gone. Yeah, they're all finishes, right? And <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to go on a limb here, Sean. I think he's actually going to do it. I think he's going to pull off this victory. As crazy as it sounds, uh, I mean, this is a guy that that's fought at heavyweight, right? Like, yeah. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. He's... he's yeah, I think he's actually going to pull it off. You know, it's—I mean, anything can happen. Crazier things have happened in mixed martial arts, but yeah, I—I I, I sincerely think he's actually going to do it. Um, you know, 185 or sorry, it's 205. Yeah, that Herman. This guy, this guy out. knocked out. Um, this guy knocked out Walt Harris in 25 seconds. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, uh, for some reason, my my brain was thinking middleweight uh, with the whole uh, Ed Herman thing, but uh, yeah. It, it, I think Krylov's going to do it, man. I really, really think he's going to do it. I mean, he, he's just a funny cat as is. Um, but the Al Capone forget. picture? Yeah, man. Like that, this is a, I think he's just a cool cat. But, you know, he's, what, 24 years old right now? I mean, that, yeah. that's and, – and, and Ed's 35, right? Uh-huh. So there's a youth, a massive youth factor right there. And usually when you have the youth factor, Sean, you've got the speed factor and speed kills. So – can he get that fifth straight win in a row? Yeah. Joe, I think so. there, were, there were people when John Jones pulled out <laughs> that tweeted me and said Nikita Krylov is the closest ranked fight to this. this and they wanted, oh my God. Uh, could you have imagined Daniel Cormier versus Nikita Krylov? Epic. Epic pay-per-view <laughs> numbers right there, bud. Epic. I have a tear in my eye thinking about this. Oh. It could have been so so hilariously horrible, uh, and my friend Corey Cropper, a, f- a friend of mine, helped me get into MMA. Sarcastically, like as a fan of Nikita Krylov, he says it's not sarcastically, but it better be. Uh, Ross Pearson, Jorge Masvidal. I'm excited for this one. I, I would watch Jorge Masvidal fight an army of brooms. He's a bad dude. He's always going to be a bad dude. Unfortunately, he's a degenerate. He's an absolute degenerate gambler. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen some of the Genghis Khan videos. I mean, the guy will bet on anything. Like, he, he did he a Q&A will... on Twitter today, and he said, let's not ask any questions. They'll have the IRS showing up at my house. Such an absolute <laughs> mess. I love that guy so much. He's just crazy. Um, but, yeah, this this would be a solid scrap here, man, because, you know, like, Masvidal is like the, the – the, I guess the Florida version of the of the Stockton, you know, the, the Diaz brothers. I mean, the guy's sure. crazy. He's just nuts, and he'll he'll fight anyone. And you know, I really wish when he was technically in his prime, he was in the UFC. Um, you know, he's he's been there for a while. I mean, he's been there since what, um, two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, so many fights. But I would love to have seen him back in the Strike Force days in the UFC because I, I I used to watch those YouTube videos of all the stuff that would go down in Florida, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy's a. And I think he used to bet. On, on which elevator, when they would hit the elevator button, which one would come oh, first? Oh, God. Anything, 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 right? And, and, and I know other guys that have done that uh, in Vegas. I mean, it's, it's – the guy is crazy. But, hey, man, fighting a guy like Ross Pearson, um, this is no joke. You know, I know, I know Ross has taken this on relatively short notice. Um, well, it is short notice. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good scrap. I'm going to give, the, obviously, the edge right now to Masvidal. Um, but yeah, like you said, I'd love watching this guy fight. He's fantastic. He's won one of his last four fights, but that's very, that's very deceptive. His three losses are by split decision. You know, I, I should say he should just up his chances. And instead of just gambling on things, he should play games of skill like at draftbeast.com. 
which will soon be the leader in fantasy sports, my friends. DraftBeast.com, I can't wait till football season so I can just mark some of you jabronis on DraftBeast.com. It's not even going to be fair, you guys. DraftBeast.com is where you can find me on Sundays. Uh, I I may not even watch WWE pay-per-views on Sundays. I'm going to be so into DraftBeast.com. And you know what? Joe, I will I will go out on a limb and I will say I am the Brock Lesnar of fantasy sports over at DraftBeast.com. You want to know why that is? I want to know why. Now I'm not going to test positive for anything, but I have some performance enhancers, and it's these folks that on it that on it Alpha Brain. I get on that DraftBeast and I pop my Alpha Brain. I'm just probably an unsafe amount to be completely honest with you. And, you know, numbers go through my head. I'm like Zach Galifianakis in the hangover when he's counting cards. That's me on draftbeast.com when I take that on at alpha brain and you guys can take on at alpha brain too. You can take all the supplements that guys like Seth Rollins, Cesaro, triple H, even Joe Rogan. Have you seen that guy? Unbelievable. What kind of shape he's in. He just re up for a year, by the way. Uh, use those fantastic kettlebells that The Rock uses. That guy's in okay shape. Go to onit.com. Specifically, go to our podcast page, any podcast page, fightful.com slash podcast. Click one of our links, and you'll see the Onit link in blue. Click that. You will open up just a secret room of sales. And then you will come to me, and you'll say, hot damn, Sean, thank you. But you know what? They're probably still not going to beat me at Draft Beast, but they do stand a much better uh, better chance if uh, they use Alpha Brain. Hot diggity damn! Yeah, that's pretty much what's up. That was epic. I know. I'm. I'm just. I'm, you know, that that was that was incredible. You're kind of new to this with me, but I'm known as the king of segways, Joe. Fantastic job! Absolutely they, fantastic. My viewers urged my old boss to buy me an actual Segway for Christmas. So maybe I can get that going on. Uh, Wilson Segway. Hay- I'm impressed. Yeah. Wilson Hayes was supposed to fight for the UFC Flyweight Championship, which is almost comical in its own. He is now facing – well, here's the thing. He was <laughs> Then he got replaced, or Demetrius Johnson did, uh, by Sean Santella. Just like literally they, they made that fight hours before Luis Smoka offered to step in. Well, they pulled Sean Santella, and I thought for sure the UFC was like, okay, we're just going to backtrack this a little bit and put Smoka in here if he wants it. Because you could, you could arguably, arguably put that on the main card. Arguably. Not to be Hector Sandoval in there. Uh, now, the thing is, Wilson Hayes is not getting a title shot this year. Demetrius Johnson is going to fight the winner of the Ultimate Fighter 24. So <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect then out of Hayes? Uh, obviously catastrophic if he, for some reason, loses. If this guy comes in here with, with you know, a, a Lando Venata mindset and in, in that type of mode. If you do the math, okay, we're in July right now. Okay, Um, this fight here, when Wilson competes against Hector, the title fight isn't going to happen until when? December? Yeah. Okay, so the earliest that Wilson potentially will get a title shot is March of 2017. He basically has to go another nine months undefeated Mm -hmm. in this division. I think his title shot... Is all but gone, done, never to have, never to come back again. Unless he goes on an incredible run where he's finishing guys first round, destroying them, and there's no other talent that the UFC thinks can ever deserve to get a title shot versus Money Most Johnson. I think this is the worst possible situation ever uh, for Wilson to go through. Oh, as if it couldn't get worse. You got Justin Scoggins facing a returning Ian McCall on that main card. Ian McCall, really the only guy in the flyweight division to, to you know, well, for one, to not lose. He, he lost a fight to Demetrius Johnson, but also went to a majority draw. I thought Demetrius Johnson won that fight as well. Uh, hasn't been so hot. He's faced a ton of injuries, and he has flat out said, if his hand or his body gives out again, he's done. 
So, you know, I think he's looking to make some money. And, you know, if he gets if he gets a title shot eventually, sure, good. You know, he's happy. But Justin Scoggins is a young, hungry guy who won his first two UFC fights, dropped a couple more after, you know, they they took him out of the frying pan into the fire. He went from Will Campisano to, like, Dustin Ortiz and John Moraga. And now he's back up there. He, he beat Sampo and Ray Borg. Um, Ray Borg, who I like to imagine is the miniature version of Cyborg, by the way, uh, <laughs> just a pocket version. But <laughs> this is a very, very interesting fight to me. I am so looking forward to McCall Scoggins. So many question marks. Can Scoggins get it done against a guy of this level in which he's had trouble with before? How's Ian McCall going to look after all this time off with, as I mentioned about Eddie Wineland, has said, I'm not afraid to leave this sport. What? I just got – I'm made of questions right now, Joe. Just throw out and answer some of them. Scoggins wins a fight. That'd be big. <laughs> no, in all, in all seriousness, uh, the fact that, that Ian McCall has been out since January of 2015, that loss against John Lineker at UFC 183 – um, I, I sincerely believe that the fact that he's been gone that long, his body cannot hold up anymore. He's 32 years old. This guy's been fighting forever, forever. And, you know, and he, he's already, you know, kind of prefaced the fact that, nah, if I get hurt again, I'm out and never come back, which basically means if he, you know, he's going to put in a spectacular performance. So I, I really think that if his head, if he thinks this is going to be his last fight, he wants to go out uh, in spectacular fashion, win, lose, or draw. Uh, which means Scoggins just has to be technically careful a little bit and, and pick and choose his shots, and he shouldn't be able to. You know, he should be able to merge victorious here. Uh, again, youth factor, uh, speed factor. It is flyweight. These guys are always fast, no matter what. Uh, I just think it's going to be a passing of the torch fight, um, and, and it could probably be the last time we see um, Ian McCall, unless he wins this fight very, very quickly and does not uh, take any damage whatsoever, not including the damage he's probably already incurred training for this fight because everybody shows up to their fight. I shouldn't say everybody. The vast majority of fighters show up to their bouts somewhat injured. Sure. Very excited for that fight. Also, you know, speaking of Scoggins and having trouble at the top of the division, we have a Bantamweight fight in which features two fighters that kind of have trouble with other guys at the top of the division. Uh, Eric Perez, Francisco Rivera. If Rivera loses, that could be it for him in the UFC. He's 34 years old. If he lost, he would be one in five in his last six. Uh, he's lost to Brad Pickett, John Lineker, Uriah Faber, Mizugaki. Uh, so, you know, pretty high-level guys. Eric Perez lost to Brian Caraway, Mizugaki, via split decision. It was a very close fight. But um, I, I got to think that Perez is getting it done here. But and, and he is a guy that the UFC really liked coming in for, for many reasons. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in this one? Yeah, you're absolutely correct uh, with Perez. They were they were looking at him as one of the potential superstars uh, for the Latino market, uh, Mexico, and he he does have superstar written all over him. But like you said, he competes against some of the top echelon talent of the division and can't seem to emerge victorious. Um, the only thing he really has to worry about in this fight, and I shouldn't say the only thing, which is kind of making it sound bad, but you know, Cisco Rivera's got power and a lot of power, and if he lands. Uh, things get ugly for you real fast. If he lands early, whatever full tank of gas Perez thinks he had will go down to a quarter tank very, very quickly. So if, if he can just sort of pick and choose uh, when to exchange with Rivera, um, per, perhaps you know, get start, start thinking about getting the 34-year-old guy a tad tired, uh, take this into the third round if you need to, maybe late second round, really start pouring it on, um, you know, wake him up in the third round and really put a beating on him. I think Perez can come out victorious. But I think if he stands and trades with Cisco Rivera, I personally don't like his chances. I don't, I don't think you need to get into a gunfight here uh, and start slinging away leather uh, with Cisco. You, you, I think he'd lose that battle. Um, and for Rivera, yeah, this is, this is definitely a must-win situation. Next up, Matt Brown, Jake Ellenberger. What are they doing here? They released Jake Ellenberger and brought him back. What? Are, now, come on. And And – one of his last six fights, and he was he was getting the beaten, the business put on him in those fights. Um, Matt Brown 
a guy inconsistent, but a guy all too happy to put that business on him. I mean, there's always, you know, I'll never say there's not a chance, but do you think you think they booked this thinking, you know, you know, some people like Matt Brown. This is I've done a complete 180 on Matt Brown from from his early career when I thought he was just you know how he how he's portrayed on the Ultimate Fighter, but you think they did this, you know, to kind of get Matt Brown back where he needs to be? I I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Ellenberger's had what forty-two fights or forty-four fights in his career. Uh, that's a lot of mileage, man. That that's a yeah. body that really can't take it anymore. Um, you know, it's it's you know gone. He's back. Gone. He's back. So I think, in, in my opinion, I think this is a Matt Brown confidence booster fight. Let's get you back into the to the winning mode. Uh, let's keep you relevant in the division. You're an exciting fighter. Um, you like to wreak havoc versus anyone and at any time. I uh, really still love that Robbie Lawler fight. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, this is this is a confidence booster for Matt Brown. Uh, let's get you uh, winning, and, and we'll see where we go from here. Uh, as for Ellenberger, and then what if Ellenberger wins this fight shot? <laughs> well, man, is he is he still at Glendale, or did he leave? I think he left. Everybody leaves Glendale. What am I talking about? Everybody I'm leaves. so expecting you to say that. Oh, man. Uh, another person, friend, friend of the friend of the show, friend of the site, Jessamyn Duke also left Glendale. Best best of luck to her Friday. Um, everybody leaves Glendale, um, except except for the people that need to leave Glendale. Oh shit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, you know, I look back, I look at this card, and this wasn't like a big. There weren't a lot of people, especially in comparison to the other cards booked this year. Also, by the way, every pay-per-view this year, even up until now, has either been canceled altogether or had a former champion or a title challenger pull out to some degree. A champion, former champion, or title challenger. So that's pretty crazy. But it's like, man, they could have had Mighty Mouse versus Hayes up here too. And then we got this Nama Yunus. I'm going to try. Kavalkovich? We'll call her Carolina. Underrated fight, top five fight in the women's strawweight division. Could very well be a title eliminator fight. Rose Namajunas has the most unique charm to her of just any fighter. And this is in a division where Joanna Janjacek also has some of the most unique charm of a person I've ever seen in my life. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for this fight, Joe. I can't wait for this fight. This is, I mean, with the exception, obviously, of anytime Robbie Lawler fights, this fight um, is going to just rip the roof off, roof off the arena. I mean, this is going to be a fun fight. I mean, just looking at their two styles, the way they match up, um, you know, Carolina is, is, is she's no joke. I mean, I, I think Rose will take this fight, um, but just the fact that you know Rose has an ability to show this intensity before fights. You know, Pat Barry is going to absolutely be losing his marbles the minute he gets to the arena. Uh, when he gets to the cage, uh, when he's cornering her, I mean the guy. I mean Pat Barry is just an, an absolute mess. No matter what, love that guy to death. Um, but Rose is going to be amped, um, and, and, and you know this is again coming after the Matt Brown Ellenberger fight. This arena is going to be in a really good buzz for the scrap here. There, I really think they're going to continue the excitement. I mean, I can't see this fight being boring at all, uh, and it's a great segue to the main event. <laughs> Now, speaking of that main event, Robbie Lawler's nickname should probably – I'm ready for it to be the soul taker after that, after that interview where he said he would have taken Conor McGregor's soul. That was one of the most intimidating pieces of trash talk I have seen this side of Mike Tyson. Tyron Woodley – he didn't wait a long time for this fight because he was going to fight Johnny Hendricks, and that fight got scratched, but – yeah, I'm not usually an advocate of people waiting this long between a fight and a title fight. Uh, it's been well over a year. That being said, I have always viewed Robbie Lawler as one of the more beatable champions. And every time I have thought that, he goes out there and he puts the pain on somebody. Tyron Woodley has power. He has wrestling ability. How do you think the layoff affects Tyron Woodley? And uh, 
do you see him walking out with the title? I mean, you can't you can't ever say no. But what you got here? You have to assume being American top team members that some way somehow their paths would have crossed in the gym, sparring, um, or do do they, do they always have some sort of agreement? Look, we're in the same division. We technically shouldn't be sparring each other because one day we're going to meet. Uh, I don't know. Um, but the fact that Tyrone Woodley would sign on the dotted line, A, it's a title fight in the UFC. You probably should accept it whether you think the other fighter is better than you or not. Uh, you really can't pass up that opportunity. Uh, but like you said, Robbie Lawler is on this just weird run um, that a lot of people would come up to me and say, yeah, now that you saw this here, you're going to see why Robbie Lawler uh, is on this run. We're going to really find this out. Well, guess what? Hasn't been caught for anything. Continues to do what he has to do uh, at his age. Um, There's something about Robbie Lawler that puts the fear of God in me. I remember when Matt Hughes used to to be the welterweight champion, and he used to pace across the cage uh, before Buffer would announce his name, and you just saw it in his eye or eyes, and you just realized whoever's on the other side there is in big trouble. Um, this is what Robbie Lawler does to people. And, 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 you know, who would have thought that, you know, again, Canadian bias coming in here, that Rory McDonald wouldn't be able to beat Robbie Lawler. Well, yeah, that, that was just something else. You know, like it's just this guy here takes people's souls. Um, and, and not that I, that I feel bad for Tyron Woodley, but I think Robbie Lawler is just right now on a different level than anyone at 170 pounds to the point where I almost feel like texting George St. Pierre saying, Hey, you ever thought about trying to win your title back against a guy that's that dominant right now, that's finishing people or putting a beating on people and having fans out there think, Hmm, this is the best welterweight ever forgetting about that. It's that George St. Pierre is, and probably will be for a very long time. Um, you know, this is the type of guy that George would have just been like, yeah, I'll fight him. Yeah, I'll fight him. Uh, it doesn't seem like George, uh, I'm not saying George doesn't want to fight him, but you'd like to fight Michael Bisping. I mean, if you, if you had your pick, Sean, who would you rather fight Bisping or Lawler? Oh, without a doubt. I'd rather fight Bisping. Um, and not have to cut an extra 15 pounds. <laughs> sure. Uh, absolutely. And yeah, man. And this is a guy in Lawler who was beaten by Lorenz Larkin, a, Barely top 15, 170, or I think he, is he at 170 now? Lorenz Larkin? I believe I can't so. remember. I can't, yeah. But he completely turned his career around when he's in the UFC. You mentioned how that look. I do some commentary for Absolute Action MMA, and it's so funny because there's a lot of amateurs there. And what Robbie Lawler does to people, and I've noticed this in, in the stare downs when they're getting their announcer, their names announced, it's a look in people's eyes of just, I'm getting into this, that I see out of amateurs sometimes when they're in their first fight and they're like, they got Rick Toms calling their name and he's looking them straight in the eye and they're like, this shit's about to happen. This is about to go down. This is, you know, I've, I've prepared for it. I've thought about it. This is the thing. And it's, it's a different kind of look that I see when, it, when they're standing across the cage from Robbie Lawler. Yeah. Carlos Condit, Rory McDonald, Johnny Hendricks. We talked about Matt Brown and Jake Ellenberger, but but even before that, Rory McDonald again. It's this guy. It's <laughs> the career metamorphosis has just been insane. Uh, unlike anything I've seen, really. It's pretty yeah, odd. I, I just want to. I, sorry, I just want to preface one thing because you're absolutely correct. If you look at that record and look at the guys that he's competed, and I, I want to take nothing away from Michael Bisping. He is the middleweight champion of the world as we speak. What I was referring to with the Michael Bisping, I know a lot of Bisping guys really like Bisping out there. If you're if you're looking at these two fighters, Michael Bisping and, and Robbie Lawler, who would you be more afraid to fight? I'm, 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 you know, you got to make the argument that it's Robbie Lawler based on what he does to other human beings in his yeah. weight class. Sure, I, I completely agree. And Michael Bisping is admittedly at the end of his career. He admitted as such. Joe, anything else you're expecting out of UFC 201? We will be here Saturday night, of course, and we have full coverage on the site. Make sure you come and check that out on Twitter. We're going to be posting you know, the weigh-in videos, embedded videos, all that good stuff. Joe, what else are you looking for out of this show? 
I mean, I think we talked about, you know, at a high level, the boats that, that are really, really important in this fight. I, I think I'd like to see um, your reaction, my reaction, and actually hear from the fans after the main event goes down. And if Robbie Lawler continues to be on this absolute, you know, terrifying tear, this ruthless, you know, no, no pun intended, this ruthless human being that, that just is, is, is not even a zombie, is, is just, a, like you said, a soul taker. And, you know, once we go live after the show to really get a, get a, a pulse out there, a temperature check of like, holy smokes, this guy's a bad, bad man. Or are we going to be talking about, ah, we're idiots. Tyron Woodley should have won. We already knew Tyron Woodley was going to win. <laughs> Can't wait. UFC 201. Please join us after the show, guys. I'm going to talk a little wrestling. Joe, I'm kicking you off. Tell the people goodbye. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in there. Uh, Sean, best of luck for the rest of the evening. Thank you, Joe. Of course, uh, Joe will have a preview of UFC 201 up on Fightful.com later this week. He talked about the disarray in the women's bantamweight division. I am going to talk about uh, some of the wrestling news this week, mainly these signings. Shelton Benjamin, happy, cool, 41 years old, don't care. I love that signing. He's going to be a mid-card guy, maybe an upper mid-card guy. I don't know, but he's a guy who can get it done in the ring, is familiar, has big wins in the past, uh, has proven that at the top levels he can go in the ring. So I am absolutely happy with that. Rhino, I guess, I mean, he's former ECW TNA champion. Not not that bad, sure. Well, I guess. Doesn't really do that much for me, but... It is what it is with Rhino. He's going to be – he's on good terms with the WWE, and they like to keep him around for – whether it be a, a, an ECW angle or a TNA – or not a TNA angle, an NXT angle, anything of that nature, he's going to be around. Now, here's, here's where I run into problems. Jinder Mahal and Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer, as entertaining as he can be on things like the Edge and Christian show, should not be wrestling. He just shouldn't be. Not at this point. On his own shows? Sure, whatever. Um, He apparently has been contacted. Kurt Hawkins? I mean, maybe they can do something fun with him, Zack Ryder, and and Mojo Rawley. Maybe. Maybe, I guess. I'm okay with that. Sure. They They need people to fill out that roster. Jinder Mahal? What? What? At no point was this guy over. He didn't show that he could deliver in the ring. I would be much happier with a guy like Chris Masters, uh, who can get it done in the ring, has been over at least at one point, even though not to a major degree, and you know is still in shape and relatively young. Also, a little bit of little nugget of exclusive info. I'll probably report this like next week or something, but I'll tell you all here. Chris Masters was in the run for that Cirque du Soleil role that uh, Mason Ryan ended up getting. Mason Ryan told me that yesterday. Or maybe it was today. Hell, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Mason Ryan beat out Vance Archer, Lance Hoyt, uh, and Chris Masters for that Cirque du Soleil deal. Probably drop that next week. Why not? Anyway, other names that have been apparently contacted. MVP Melina Carlito. Thumbs up to all three of those. Melina was never like the greatest worker, but she's she's an okay character. I'm cool with that. Um, she's fine. Sure. MVP, I like. I would love him and Shelton Benjamin in like an angry old man tag team. Imagine that against American Alpha. That'd be cool. I would love like Ziggler to lead a little heel stable of Ziggler, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin where Ziggler's the singles guy, MVP and Shelton are the tag guys or whatever. I would love that. It's three guys that were kind of overlooked. I loved MVP's feud with Matt Hardy, one of my all-time favorites. Carlito. I like that too. If you all see, go to our YouTube page. By the way, subscribe, guys. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Go to Fightful.com. Get registered. Uh, Soon, all of our exclusive info will be members only. It is absolutely free to sign up. Free. No credit card, anything like that. You'll have access to our forums that launch soon, as well as our our Wikipedia, True or False, uh, Showdown Joe and Vince Russo's uh, columns. We might put some of the podcasts on there too, or do exclusive podcasts. But with Carlito... You want a guy who can make the shining stars not over or anything like that, but relevant to some degree. They're never going to be big stars, but Carlito makes them relevant. They can be his cronies. 
if you go to our YouTube page, we have clips up from the WWC match with Mr. 450, Carlito, and Rey Mysterio. And Carlito, he had his shoulder taped up, but performed very well. I would be cool with Molina, MVP, Carlito. I'm cool with Shelton Benjamin, okay with Kurt Hawkins and Rhino, whatever. But also, Stephen Richards was approached, but I heard that was for a, a an NXT job. And yeah, that'd be great. He got really, really over in that right to censor gimmick. He's played as a face, as a heel. He's literally played as other people. So if he were at NXT, he would be a good addition. Um, yeah, I watched NXT tonight, by the way. Okay, show. I, I wanted to touch on it briefly before we went. Cruiserweight Classic was fantastic. All uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is incredible. Love watching Zack Sabre Jr. Every time, and I had somebody on Twitter that just sent me the question, Sean, will you – does uh, – well, they, they kind of made a statement, not a question. Zack Sabre Jr. motivates me. Zack Sabre Jr. should motivate you. If you're an indie wrestler – the things that that guy can do are, are great. Kota Ibushi on NXT, love that. Don't know what in the hell they're doing with Blake and Murphy. Hopefully that they are so bad as singles that they are forced to tag again because they need each other. They really do. Um, Booker T bringing Kurt Angle to his promotion. I might be talking to Booker T soon, guys. So send me some questions uh, to Twitter. I'm going to ask him about like some backstage fights, cool stuff like that. And, of course, reality of wrestling that comes back. Also, the Dudley Boys re-signed. Good. Good. I think they are more than useful, and with a brand split, they are needed. Guys, I am back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern with Vince Russo. It's happening. Me and Vince are talking this Finn Balor thing. I think he's going to be surprised with with my stance on it, but uh, we're going to have a friendly debate. That's the thing I love about shows with Vince Russo. He and I have very different mindsets on things. But contrary to popular belief, guys, Vince does not take things like that personally. He understands that not everybody thinks like him. And I think we're going to have a good debate tomorrow about the realism of professional wrestling. Uh, Guys, as always, Fightful.com, please share the page anywhere you can, the stories anywhere you can. Bookmark it, register, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, all that stuff. Let people know about it. Let people know that you like it. We're trying to bring you a good experience like, you know, no stories under 150, 200 words, things of that nature. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That helps out a lot too. Uh, give this video a thumbs up, all that good stuff. Also, go to draftbeast.com and go to our podcast page. Click that on it link. I love on it. You all think I'm joking. I'm not. I love this stuff. Go to that podcast play, page, please, guys. Also, hey, you want to go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Ross Sapp, you can buy some Crack and Fight Team and some Catches Catch Can Wrestling shirts. Sure, do that too. Pretty proud of that design. I think we have the most badass logo in all of MMA for the Crack and Fight Team. Somebody says, I'll answer one question real quick. Somebody says, uh, why not bring up Bobby Roode to SmackDown? I'd be cool with that. Sure. Sure, I think they need him on NXT, though. I think he really helps NXT. Uh, somebody says, apparently, MVP failed his physical. Uh, I'll look into that. I if, if it's something from Observer or anything of that nature, I haven't seen anything yet today. Um, guys, thank you so much. Tomorrow, 1 p.m., join me and Vince Russo. Until next time, we are out. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.